Hi, friends. In this edition of the podcast, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine named Gary. A couple years ago, I heard about this church that was coming down to the Bay Area and planting from Seattle. And so uh, in an effort to be hospitable and just to say hello and welcome, I went and visited the church and got to meet him, just say hi, sat in the service, and ultimately just said thanks for coming down and I wish you all the best. Well, little did I know that that was going to turn into a little bit of a friendship that Gary and I have cultivated over the last couple years. And here's the short story. He plants this church in 2014, and in 2017, just a little over two years later, he decides to close the church doors. Now, I've been in church world a long time, and there's a lot of reasons to close a church. Moral indiscretion, um, some sort of scandal or anything like that. But the reason why I think Gary's story is so amazing and personally inspiring to me is that he closes the doors of his church after a lot of turmoil, a lot of disruption, a lot of deconstruction, a lot of trying to figure out his faith. And he comes to this conclusion because he's trying to follow in the way of Jesus. And so I asked him to come on the podcast and just share the story And I think you will find his story really intriguing and possibly even inspiring. Now, just a quick disclaimer, I'm obviously not endorsing anything or everything that Gary even says. And there is some explicit language in this edition of the podcast. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. But ultimately, it's the story that I think needs to be told. So let me introduce you to my friend named Gary. And I hope you enjoy part one of How to Close a Church, an interview with Gary Hale. Gary. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Let's, I just want to start because actually what I want to do is just hear your story. And the reason why I think um, I want to hear your story is because there's, I think there's a lot of things that are being disrupted right now. And your story, I think, is a really interesting one in the mix of all the disruption and deconstruction that's going on. And so I just want you to start from the very beginning and I'm going to interrupt you along the way with a bunch of questions. Oh boy. Okay. So I guess like the church planting story, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, let me, I'll go back a little bit. Let's see. So I didn't grow up doing the church thing. I was the classic priester, mm-hmm. Catholic mm-hmm. priester, by the way. Um, going, to define church, going to church on Christmas and Easter, uh, got it. and that yeah. is it. Yeah. So I did that, like growing up as a kid, and it was always really, um, felt out of place, like didn't really fit with me. Um. And then it wasn't until I was about 20 years old that I had like an awakening spiritually. So I mm-hmm. went to this thing called Chrysalis. Uh, it's a Methodist like weekend retreat thing. Had my experience of uh, what we would call salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was kind of a fast track of um, trying to understand what does it mean to walk with Jesus? What's faith? Right. What does it mean to be Christian? What's the Bible? Everything. So... Um, I pretty quickly went up to Seattle Pacific University and did an educational ministry degree. But that's probably like the beginnings of the church plant journey because when I went up there, I got plugged into a brand new church start. I was meeting in a school, uh, maybe 40 people going to this thing, and they needed a guitar player. And I was like, dude, I used to play in a punk rock band. I'm your guy. So I was able to jump in and uh, got to be a part of this this church from the get-go. And that was like the introduction to like, wait, oh, if you're a church, you don't have to have a building? 
Mm. What? That was brand new information for a guy like me that didn't grow up in the realm of Christianity. So um, let's see. The introduction there and kind of the experience and uh, fast forward a little bit and I was doing youth ministry for quite some time. I did it at that church start. Then I went to another church in uh, the Seattle area. And uh, it was another church plant, and I was doing high school, junior high ministry in a school, and kind of the same old getup that you kind of do within church plant world. Right, right. Uh, and then I felt like it was like, what's the next step for me? And I'd always thought about, what if I did this, and I was the lead guy to try and start a church? And so um, that was like 2013, where that really started to resonate in me, of this really feels like the next step in my journey. Mm. So, um, fortunately I was at a church that really believed in church planting. So they were able to send me out in a celebratory way instead of, uh, like, Oh, well, we're gonna have to fire you now that we know that's what you want to do. Um, so that was a great experience. And and it was in probably summer of 2013 where my wife and I, and a few friends were looking at where, where do we want to start this church? And, um, I thought to myself, why don't I just pick one of the hardest places in the entire country and let's do that. (laughs) Sounds like a brilliant idea, right? Mm, Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, So we always kind of heard through all the research process that the Bay Area was a very challenging environment Mm -hmm. to do new new church starts. So I just said, well, let's go check that place out and did a big tour all around the whole area, Mm -hmm. brought a few friends with me and... Now, now let's be clear when you say a few friends. How, okay. how many friends did you bring with you? <laughs> so this is the cult following, I guess, right? Now, um, we brought 23 people down right. from, from Seattle, Seattle who relocated to to be a part of the startup team or launch right. team, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm presuming many of them were young and either close to being out of high school and able to move single, that kind of totally, thing. Totally. Yeah. There's only one couple that was in the, Oh my gosh, that means I have to sell my house and a lot more complicated stuff. Right. Everybody else was millennials, singles, right. like right. great adventure. Right. I'm down to California. And yeah. they knew, and they knew you primarily through the youth ministry. Yes. Okay. Most of them were right. uh, like youth leaders and whatnot. Right. Okay. So you're down here. Now you move. This is yes. approximately when this was June of 2014. Okay. We drove ourselves down here, lived in North San Jose, and uh, we didn't re- we didn't have a location yet for the church. So I did the whole like looking around, trying to find places to do it in. Um, I couldn't find um, an inexpensive place like Spark could, so we ended up in um, in the movie theater AMC Mercado. And uh, oh my gosh, there are so many things I would do differently. So number one is I would not have started our church as quick as we did. So we mm. got here at the end of June, mm. and we launched the second weekend of October. Mm-hmm. So what was that? Four months later. Right. Oh my word, I would have done it so differently now that I can look at it. But we just were like, I don't know, I was kind of aggressive. Let's go and let's do this thing. And uh, so we just launched and just started meeting weekly and up in the theater. And it was, it was cool. Now, part of what I want to get to actually okay. is where are you getting your funding, your backing, who's supporting you? You have your home church in Seattle, but you also have some yep. other people that are um, cheerleading as well as financially supporting. Yep. Uh, where's all that coming from? Uh, so I guess it breaks in two categories. Individually, it was just anybody I felt like I could ask to send us some money or support us. I just did that. So mm-hmm. individually, kind of meeting with people. And then organizationally, my, my sending church uh, was a Southern Baptist church. 
or mm-hmm. is a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the funding, we had about 25 organizations and churches fund us. 25? Yes. And probably 80% of those were some form of Baptist. Wow. So, yeah, that's where all the funding to be able to get us to come down here and have the capital to be able to launch big. Did you have to do, did you have to do like big vision casting for them or did you, did your reputation essentially precede you? Like they knew who you were, you were affiliated with this church or. Yeah. My reputation helped just being that I was only in church plants and especially Eastlake, which was like a big mega evangelical church plant. Um, yeah, that really helped me kind of get past some of the preliminary steps, um, Okay, so it's October. You open up. You're at the AMC Mercado. You're in a movie theater. Yeah. You're setting up, tearing down every single week. Yep. Why? (laughs) Why do it? Why are you doing this? (laughs) So I think if I go back into my past and my way of thinking, it was honestly a little bit of this, and I hate that this is reality. Um, We can come down here and we can be the ones to kind of save the world mm-hmm. kind of language, which is the Bay absolute. area has just been waiting for Seattle exactly. people. Do they needed come. us in order to see Jesus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is absolute crap <laughs> <laughs> now in hindsight. Oh, so arrogant. Right, right. Um, yeah. So we, we like do this whole thing thinking like, it's like it's noble cause to help get the word out about this message of Jesus and love and hope, blah, 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 all that. Typical stuff. See, um, this is why I wanted to do this, Gary, because you are perhaps one of the most honest, <laughs> vulnerable, transparent people that oh I've boy. met in this world. Is that uh, a good thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think just the fact that you're willing to voice that is really courageous and honest. And um, there's a lot of people that are opening up church plants with that exact same mindset. So, yep. I mean, I just really oh, yeah. appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable about that and honest. Yeah, it's funny because now I listen to church planners and I'm like, oh man, I just, it's hard to listen to because it feels so like pretentious in a lot of ways. And I'm like, dude, I used to be that guy. Right. Right. So it's a little painful, but, um, yeah. So that was kind of like, that was the vision, the hope let's build our cool thing. That's going to, you know, pat my back and build my (laughs) ego and whatever. And then after our launch, our first Sunday, um, we had a relatively large, amount of group show up but I remember going home and having this moment of like everything I've known and learned feels like it's crumbling Mm. beneath my feet Mm. and what I mean by that is I felt like okay I launched this church but there's still something that's kind of like empty inside of me Mm. like I reached the pinnacle in um in church world in a lot of ways Mm. But it just felt like, I, I actually, I don't journal like ever, but I went and I journaled and I wrote down, I, I wish I could pull it up, but I can't get it right now. But, um, but I just wrote something like, God, I feel like there's something more, hmm. but I don't know what it is. And everything I've known, yeah, it just feels like it's falling apart behind me. Wow. So the, after the first, first service, week, yep, first literally week. in between week one and week two, uh, I guess now in hindsight, deconstruction mode really began for me. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So all this is like kind of going on behind the scenes, but I'm still trying to like maintain the, the company line of, well, you have a lot of backers. You have a lot of people invested. You have a a large incentive 
both emotionally, spiritually, financially to make this thing happen. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. There's so much pressure. Like I don't want to let all these people down that they've just funded us and these people that moved. Yeah. I'm like, I asked them for a two year commitment and I kind of already want to leave. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like that's not, that's not good. So that's like leadership 101. (laughs) You guys commit. I'm not so sure myself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go where I'm not willing to go. Um, so yeah, I think I was, it was like this, this struggle kind of going on inside of me of I can continue to kind of play the game. Like I can do the church plant and like, like build this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll, it would probably be okay. Like we could build something that would end up working. I think it's like, or I could lean into that unrest that was like seeding inside right, of me. Right. And, um, I think I just, I just couldn't live, I couldn't live this like two faced thing. I couldn't be like, well, on Sundays I'll show up and I'll be like preacher man, happy, got it all together. And then on behind the scenes, I'll be a total mess right. and not tell anybody. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the reality that right. I'm in and lean into that. I have no idea where that's going to take me in my journey of following Jesus and understanding of God and church. But I feel like I got to go there. So let's hit some highlights. I mean, okay. there's a, there's obviously a lot more. I mean, this was a long journey for you, and I'm sure there's stories every single week. Um, let's hit maybe uh, the the two, I guess, big pieces that I know about. Yeah. Um, full inclusion was one of the main shifts, and yep. then the one that really kind of spurred me on to really think about, hey, let's get Gary on the podcast is your decision ultimately to close the doors. So Mm, um, tell me a little bit about what um, began to precipitate the open and inclusive shift for your church and then what happened and where did you go from there? (laughs) Okay. I'll try and, I'll try and keep it concise here. Yeah. Um, Really that the open inclusion affirming stuff started even before our church launched. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the guys who moved down here with me, he was openly gay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course, come with us and help start a church. That'd be awesome. Right. So like, I, you know, I have friends and, and whatnot that um, in family members that identify in LGBTQ um, terms. And then the, the bigger thing I think that happened when we got here was we, we went to the Santa Clara County Fair and we had a booth. And we were just like talking to anybody about the church that would come by and giving away free stuff and everything. And this lesbian couple came up. They had two boys, probably elementary age. And the first question she asks, uh, one of them asks as she walks to our table is, I only have one question for you. Can gay people come to your church? Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't the one fielding the question. It was uh, somebody on my team. And instinctively, she just said, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So that started this big conversation with this family where they had mentioned like they had a little bit of taste in church, but had a hard time fitting in and finding a place where they felt truly welcomed. Mm -hmm. And so that was just like one experience. So it was just that day. um, And then we launched the church. Well, actually maybe a week before we launched the church, I got an email because somebody had gotten our marketing that we were sending out to the community. And it was the same question she asked, am I allowed? And that's the, her term was, am I allowed Hmm. to come to your church? I have a few kids and I want to make sure they don't get indoctrinated with a certain ideology, blah, blah, blah. So she had all this, um, all this stuff to say. So I wrote her back and I was like, you're absolutely welcome to, to participate in our church. And I would love it if you came. I don't think she ended up ever showing up, but those two experiences together, just, uh, it hit me in this way of why does anybody have to ask if they're allowed to come to the God of love's church? Mm -hmm. That just doesn't, 
just doesn't work for me. Um, at, at some particular point, though, there's probably a voice in the back of your head that's um, the Baptist denomination, oh, yeah. right? So you're, you're having to have either an internal conflict or an internal conversation about, I'm saying yes to these people, knowing oh, yeah. that my backing, my funding, the people that are supporting this church plant are from a different perspective, right? Totally, yeah. Well, the, the, that's the interesting thing. I would say I probably, not probably, I identified in Baptist terms. I preached that sermon, the mm. kind mm. of the anti-gay, we can heal you mm. bullshit, now that I can look at it in, in the past. Yeah. Um, so love, I preached Love that. the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. all that, yeah. that stuff. So I preached that, um, but then it was my experience with these people was showing me something different because I had always been told, well, if they're gay, they're not really going to ever have spiritual fruit in their lives. Mm-hmm. And if there is something that looks like spiritual fruit, mm-hmm. then it's fake, mm-hmm. which is, oh, I can't believe like we could come to terms like that. It's just, it's crazy now. So I've been told that, but then I'm, I'm meeting these people and I'm experiencing like, I'm seeing life change. I'm seeing like this fruit come out of their life and this interest in God. And I, I can't argue with them. I'm like, okay, from what I've been told, my Bible tells me one thing, mm-hmm. but my experience is not really like matching up with my Bible. Right, right. So that was a, a big point of contention for me. But it didn't really hit the fan for us until it was our six-month anniversary and we were doing a baptism. And there was a lesbian couple that wanted to be baptized. And um, I... I said, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. totally. Um, so we baptized them. Then we posted pictures of all the baptisms on our Facebook, and I got like five phone calls that week mm. from nobody inside the church. It was all my external partners right, that right. were checking up on me. And they're just calling like, what'd you do? I'm like, yeah, we had a baptism. It was amazing, right? Like, no, what did you do with that one, that one case? It seems like there's, and I'm like, just call it what, tell me what it is. You don't want, you're afraid for some reason. So funny. But, um, but that's when it it really hit and I was like, Oh, like this is a really big deal. Like this is a, this is a deal breaker. I, I'm hearing that. I mean, this is what they would tell me. Um, if you move to this position of being fully open affirming, to that point, I didn't really know where I stood. I just knew, of course I'm going to baptize somebody that shows profession of faith in Jesus. Okay. Right now. But if I move to the point where it's like, they can do anything in the church, lead, be on staff, whatever, be an elder. Uh, it was like, we're going to have to cut your funding. And we've, uh, the Baptist group was like, we've never had to do that before over this particular issue. Mm. So you would be the experiment on how this all plays out. I'm like, can't wait. Let's do that. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a, f- pig. a few of my um, partner churches, pastors said, would you or ask, would you be willing to engage this topic more thoughtfully? So let's do some reading, let's do some study mm. and have some conversation. And I was like, absolutely. Only if you're willing to read things on the other side of what right. you already believe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I found the few that were willing to do that. And I said, cool, let's do it. And we read it. The main one was my pastor from our last church that we really, um, we really dove into it. So we read a few books together and probably... Oh, a few months later, then I I gathered our staff and our leadership team. So two different groups at a staff level, we were reading stuff together, uh, doing some research. And then I had like, you know, we were a new church. We didn't have an elder board yet. But I grabbed a few of the key leaders and said, hey, would you guys be willing to lean into this conversation with me? And um, 
So in total, that was probably a group of 12 people that dove in. And it was so funny because I kind of pictured like, it's going to take us like a year or two to get through this and really figure out where we land. I mean, it took maybe two conversations, like two months. And everybody on our team was like, okay, can we move on to whatever's next? Like, (laughs) we're good. Like, let's, let's be totally fine with including people that have a different uh, sexual identity than the norm. Um, so to me, that was telling me, this is not just a Gary idea thing that's going on. It's like, there's something happening communally Mm. and I'm going to listen to that and say, well, let's, let's move forward and say that this is what we're going to do as a church. And, uh, so then it was, this is where it gets a little hairy because it was March of just last year, 2016. And meanwhile, in more strategic stuff, I've, I'd always been trying to figure out how do we become a sustainable church. So I had one church in the area that was uh, courting us to see if we could become a campus for them to mm-hmm. kind of pull some of the pressure off of me to be the fundraiser and all that kind of stuff. So um, he was from the Baptist group. And what happened was I decided that I couldn't sign on with them because I couldn't align with where they stood on human sexuality. And they weren't willing to budge in any kind of a way to have like a third way approach. And so I just said, here's why Hmm. it's not going to work. Thanks for your offer. Appreciate it. Literally an hour later, I got a phone call from the denomination and they're like, Hey, we heard about you. We heard about literally. And this was the week before Easter. And we had just moved into a new building the week before. And then I'm feeling these phone calls as I'm trying to prep for Easter. And you know, it's like a crazy time for church. Although it probably shouldn't be right. Amp it up for Easter. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I'm fielding these phone calls, and that's when they tell me, like, or they ask very specifically, have you chosen to become fully inclusive, open affirming? I was like, yes. So then oh. it was pretty quick. Okay, we need to make these phone calls, and these people need to know we're going to have to cut your funding immediately. So, so no, wait, wait a second. Okay. <laughs> they ask you a question. Yeah. You answer yes. Yeah. They immediately go to procedure. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah. there's no, there's no conversation. There's no nuance. There's no inquiry. There's no finding out. There's none. It's basically, okay, well now here's the steps we need to take to basically cut your funding and separate ourselves and oh, cut yeah. ties. And yeah, quick. Now they were really kind about it. Oh, sure. Sure. And they're not going to be jerks. About yeah, it. exactly. But it was definitely like, I had one, one from the Baptist group that said, that kind of offered like, Hey, maybe, maybe you're open to the fact that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I was like, I already did that. That's <laughs> how I got here in the first place is what I'm thinking. Um, so would you be willing to have some conversations and maybe I could like help you work through this, like to bring you back right, kind of right, a deal. Right. So it wasn't really a, a conversation as right. it was. Um, it's so funny. One of your staff members actually told me that by reading, uh, somebody who was very non-affirming, <laughs> It's what pushed them over to being affirming. So, <laughs> yes, one of my staff, that's the first book I recommended. I was like, I'm going to hit him with the one that's, I don't know. I don't know where he lands, but I'm going to hit him with that one. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, that sent him on a spiral of, yeah. he's read, actually read more than I have at this, to this day on this yeah. topic. So, Amazing. yeah, so that was. Um, okay, so you make this decision. You essentially are publicly now open and affirming. And, um. I wouldn't necessarily say publicly. Uh, to, to your supporters, exactly. you are. I, okay, got yep. it. And your staff and those on the inside. Yep, staff on the inside. Yeah. So we didn't do a public statement yet for our actual congregation. Um, 
so I was kind of like spent the next couple months weathering the storm behind the scenes. Like, okay, let's see how much money we lose and support. Mm. Let's see who I'm still okay with and who I'm not okay with. I wasn't okay with anybody. So literally every single one of them was like, sorry, we can't, we can't really help you out anymore. I still love you, but you know, that whole, that whole thing. So, so just to clarify 23 supporters, 23 backers from the very beginning after essentially you said Easter of 2015 or 2016, 16, 2016. So after Easter of 2016, not a year and a half after you've planted year and a half. Yep. You go from 23 supporters to, Zero. Zero. You lost all your funding. You lost all your backing. You lost your support. You lost your denominational affiliation. You lost everything. Oh, yeah. And even more so, the thing was, like, I think reputation. So, like, I was a part of all the the little church planter gatherings and everything. Right, right. Dude. Instantly. You're out. Yep. I'm not in the club anymore. And even, like, running into different pastors at the time. Like, I remember running into one guy at a coffee shop, and he's like, yeah, we just had a church planter meeting. We were, we were we were talking about you. We were hoping we were hoping that you're okay. You've become you've become the point of conversation yeah, around I was drinks. Like, oh, like, you guys are cute. Thanks, but it was just so funny. Like, uh, wow. yeah, you just yeah. this is something that puts you on the outside. Okay, so. now my one of my questions is, what's going on with you personally in this time? I mean, your entire life is this church plant at this yeah. stage. Oh my gosh, this is my dream. So what is your, how are you spiritually processing all this, I suppose? Oh, dude, I'm going to puke right now. Mm. Um, well, I mean, even going back to w- week one of our church, and I was already kind of like, what's going on? And so I just was in this major deconstruction mode of questioning everything and mm-hmm. like, wondering why we were even doing church. Like, what's the point of all Mm -hmm. this? And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was like behind the scenes, I think at a very like personal level, I was just total mess, but I'm trying to lead this church through all these transitions. Right. And I'm trying to just like maintain and have the energy to keep pushing forward and keep going. And, And like, like this was literally my dream for probably since college, early college. So like 13 years leading up to it, it was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And my idea was, I'm going to come down here, start this church, and this is going to be it for me. I'm, then I'll be... Save the entire Bay Area. Totally. I mean, one by one, I'm going to get every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it was like, there were so much emotions that were a part of this whole deal. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Yeah, it's... Incredible. I mean, I guess the reason why I'm so fascinated with your story is that there's a kind of a functional component, which is church planning and losing funding and how you have to operate. But then there is the personal component, which is yeah. you were, I mean, in many ways, you're, you're just being true to this journey that you're on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, <laughs> you're not trying to persuade anybody of anything. You're just trying to be faithful to wherever this faith journey is taking you and it's leading you to a place of you know cutting ties with your financial support yeah um personal uh turmoil yeah oh yeah being rejected by all kinds of groups and people i mean i kind of the way i package my story sometimes i just kind of say i started a church and i lost my faith yeah because that's really what what i think happened Mm -hmm.